guys, I wanted to, um, I do a lot of characters on like other shows. I've never really had like a besties character. And I was thinking for like these roundup episodes yeah, that I could have a character who you're like presenting the games to for oh, his approval. Cool. His name is Dr. Ludo Von Games. And he would be like, <laughs> you'd be like trying to <laughs> delight him. With your game, your selection of games. Okay, you know I'm imagining mean? a sort of Baron Harkonnen, sort of floating, um, like pleasure god. Right. Yeah, and I was picturing th- more Robin Williams' character in AI. Yeah, and here's the hook, right? If your game delights him enough, he consumes the game. Right. Yeah. Where does yeah, the game again, go? It's yeah. gone. <laughs> you understand? He doesn't want to share games with other people. If a game delights him, he consumes it. Mm-hmm. So it no longer exists. Does he have an excretory system? Yeah, does he yes. shit the games out? Yes, he shits out game awards, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> he shits out PGA. <laughs> kind of sounds like maybe this is a horror, sci-fi horror Jeff Keighley. Yeah. No, Jeff Keighley is sewn to his butt. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't like that so much. Are, are you talking about like a, a centipede sort of yeah, thing? Like a human game of Game uh-huh. of might be a better name than the Dr. Ludo Von Games. We're going to workshop mm-hmm. that and the voice. Um, <laughs> did you all see? I, I, I'm bringing this up even though I didn't necessarily see it. Uh, that someone crashed Jeff Keeley's Gamescom uh, presentation. Um, like just ran on stage and apparently acted a fool. And then later Jeff Keeley tweeted something along the lines of... Uh, the person who interrupted our showcase uh, will not be a problem again. And everyone was like, did you kill Jeff? Did you, Jeff? First of all, stop interrupting Jeff Keeley's shows. Yeah, this, this is the second the fucking, time it's happened. The second time it's happened. Cut it out, fucking nerds. Stop that, it. He's trying that to, goes he's double working. for you, Joseph Ferris. Especially. <laughs> right. You think you're so funny? You think you're but, so fucking funny. Well, apparently Jeff's out here killing these people. So don't even think about it again. Watch your back, pal. Shine. Have I arrived late? <laughs> My name oh, no. is uh, Professor uh, Ludo Van Game. Well, I am here wait, to you can't just steal Justin's episode. character. Sorry, no, that was um, me. That was <laughs> him. <laughs> that was Whoa, me. crazy. Yeah, I know. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best games of the semester. My name is Griffin McElroy. I know the best games of the of the semester. My name is Christopher Thomas von... Christopher Thomas von <laughs> Thomas Blatt? Von Blatt. <laughs> I'm Thomas von Blatt, and I demand your games. Uh, Don't care. It's Chris. Don't care. Nine games, and there's Fresh. Here he comes. My <laughs> name is Russ Fresh. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It is a video game club. Just by listening, you, my friend, have become a member. We have got a great grab bag. Uh, I call. I came up with a name for this. Nobody else liked it. Hidden gems. <laughs> Nobody, nobody said it was. They said that other people would already use that, mm-hmm. which I've never seen it before. But okay. Um, what about if you s- pronounce gems like games? Hidden gems. <laughs> Hidden gems. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our- Gems. 
Precious gemstones. Chris Plant, what are games? Oh, so games. Uh, well, it all started with Tennis for Two. The military was deep in figuring out how to blow up the world. And then they realized we can use these machines to play tennis. And then cut to Armored Core 6, which we'll talk <laughs> about after the break. It's yeah, we're talking cut. about a lot of uh, games. Uh, Plant, tell the people what we're talking about. At the top, and then we'll, it'll encourage. Don't them tell them the games, though. That's the you big. You want surprise. me to tell them all the games? That's what I do at the end. Give them three games at the end. Okay, here are three games. Just to three go, words kinda, from to the titles like, of the games. I'm gonna whet your appetite. Here we go. Three words: Doomsday, Ooh, Fay, Ooh, Gods. Nice. That sounds good. We're gonna talk about that and so much more right after this. You go get a phone, you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family, you're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off, because you got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden, they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar. To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Doomsday Fae God sounds like the sickest fucking game ever. It does sound, sound like really, cool, really good. Cool. Yeah. Let's start doing it because we have a lot of shit to talk about. Okay. Yes. And, and not a lot of time because we, Do we only, start they with... only give us so much tape to That's record true. the show with. Is I, it Armored Core 6 time? Yeah, I think we Let's should talk about Armored Core 6. 6. This well, we're going to do an episode about it, right? Yeah, we're going to just, just can, bounce off of it because it's out today, the day this Can I tell you? So I've had this code a little bit longer than folks here, just a little bit. And I went on a journey that I feel like a few other people on this team have already gone through now, uh, which is you start the game and you go, mm, I don't know. And then you, you get past the first boss. And you're like, eh, you know what? Maybe I think I'm into this. And then at some point you're just like, I think this is my entire identity. I'm going <laughs> to get these brand logos tattooed onto my skull. Yeah. It's yeah, a journey. It, has anyone else here played rules. an Armor Core game before? Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, I've never played, played one. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, I used to be. We used to be deep into it on the on the old PlayStation. Those were great. Yeah, uh, back um, when it was legal for games to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just if you are not an Armored Core, first of all, this is a FromSoft game, right? And it, I, it does not feel like. I feel like every other FromSoft game kind of feels the same, right? Even Sekiro, and they they feel like Souls games. I feel like Souls games. This does not. This yeah. feels like a Platinum Games game. It feels yeah. fast and furious, and it's it is uh, slick as hell and not uh, 
slow. It is not slow and punishing in the way that, well, it can be punishing, but it's not like tiptoeing around corners in Sen's Fortress. It is like boosting forward at 300 miles an hour and dashing around like an Atano circus of fucking missiles flying at you while you like get in close to use your laser blade. I, I want to, I want I want to say though, just to provide the context, cause this is the only reason to have an old man like me and well, everybody, Just, yeah. I guess, on the show. Yeah. Uh, from what Griffin is talking about, from uh, feels like a FromSoft game. That is very much like a post Demon Souls. Like yeah. that's the the that FromSoft. FromSoft used to crank out a lot of wild shit. Other than like obviously these armored core games, there was like uh, Ninja Blade. You guys remember Ninja yeah, Blade yeah, yeah. on Xbox 360? Yeah. That was a wild, uh, like full bore. Hype like super hyper action game uh, that was very that was very much in in that the kind of mold you're describing. Yeah, um, the last armor core game though was 11 years ago. Crazy. So like it is wild that they have gone this long without touching on this. But holy shit, like it it is. It feel I I'm not that deep in. I just started playing yesterday, but I ran through like four or five sorties as quick as I could because I could not put it down, uh, and now I can't stop thinking about it. It feels. So good. It is the best feeling mech game I think I've ever played. Uh, it looks incredible. And as soon as you start to piece together like dashes and, you know, I, I, I roll with a mech now. The mechs are completely customizable. That's like the big thing with Armored Core. Uh, and I've put together like a dual SMG with just like really fast little guy. Uh, and as soon as I, I got that going, it clicked for me and it is just a, an absolute joy to play. Yeah, it's I found it uh, slightly overwhelming at first. Plant gave me a few pointers to jump in. And now it's just like I'm just like looking through this inventory of like 20 things in the mech shop. And I'm like, huh, I could these legs look pretty good and they're lighter and I could try that. And you just like fuck around with new builds. And then it, it feels like a completely different game, like how you're moving around the world. It's yeah. really pretty satisfying. I don't like Platinum Games games. It doesn't feel like that to me because those tend to be like very combo heavy. This feels like an action game that I have like very minute control over every single aspect of how I play it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very flow based. We're like Platinum Games. You're right with like having to memorize a combo yeah. or learn those skills in Devil May Cry. This is more like learning I don't know. It's becoming one with the machine, <laughs> like yeah. just having a sense of where to go. It it, uh, it is very lock on focus. So like you point yeah. in the direction of an enemy, and if you're close enough to like lock on, you just have to pull the trigger and shoot. You it's not like pixel perfect. Yeah. So really, you're focused on maneuvering and positioning and um, and just absorbing you know, all the visual information that's being shot at you. At like which is very intense. Yeah. Um, it's it's man, super alive, dope. It looks cool. And and really setting your build like uh, yeah. the deeper you get into the game, you will come across bosses or, or even stage designs where it feels impossible. And then you will switch from a really light flying around zippy mech to a like actual tank. And yeah. suddenly the game's, you know, easy peasy. Um, we're going to talk about this game in a full episode. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, I'm glad that we like mentioned it up top because, gosh, it is. It's really. I, I it's one of those games that it has it has some weak points for sure. There are some levels that are 
Xbox 360 level bad. Um, but yeah, for the vast majority of this game, I am just like so super addicted to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm currently stuck on the final boss, which I think I will be. Too. Oh, wow. Yeah. You You've really have been playing this thing a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. Um, I want to hear about Blasphemous 2 because Fresh is like, I think Fresh wants me to play this, but knows that I will probably bounce off. Okay. So Blasphemous 2, obviously the sequel to Blasphemous, a game that I didn't realize this until this morning. Blasphemous 1 sold 2.5 million copies. Wow. Which is pretty outstanding for an indie game. Uh, the original game was a uh, Metroidvania kind of inspired by um, the aesthetics of Holy Week in Spain, which has, like, if you Google it, like, very specific iconography, like, Christian iconography that, like, attaches to that. And so the developers, who are based in Spain, made a whole game using that uh, aesthetic. And it ruled. It was a lot of fun. I liked the original Blasphemous. I thought it was a little uh, limited, and, and and didn't feel the best, but I the aesthetic was like so unique that it kind of set out for me. They went ahead and made a sequel that is addresses every issue that I had with the original game and went even further. It is one of the best 2D pixel games I've ever seen, visually speaking. Like it's astounding and it plays fucking awesome. Like the combat feels fantastic. Most Metroidvanias do not have great combat or the combat can be like a little limited games like uh, hollow Knight are kind of the exception. Um, but here they do, uh, the combat and like, just it, it like is very crunchy and, and counter base where you're blocking and then counter attacking. And, um, it just feels so fucking good. But, but mostly I think it's about just like the vibe and the aesthetic of it, which again, doesn't really look like any other game I've ever played. You described it to me as like uh, Dark Souls Catholic. It also looks like kind of like a Castlevania 2D version of Silent Hill. I don't know. It's, well, there is a, like a pointed, pointy-headed guy. In this case, he's a good guy. He's not a triangle head. But it does kind of have that uh, grim look to it. But then you'll be like, you'll like see an angelic face coming out of like, a, a holy cloud but then you realize that face is bleeding blood and you have yeah. to fight the face <laughs> like that happens a lot there um, are cutscenes that feel like I, I don't know how to describe this art style other than it looks like um like out of this world uh like that ooh, that yeah. very sort of pixely uh almost sort of like ms paint pixel art style that's just for the like, non like, non-playable cutscenes you mean yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And just for the cutscenes, but they're for, absolutely jaw droppingly yeah. like gorgeous. For the non old folks, out of this world is a game, not just a phrase. <laughs> I don't I'm that is not sure really, a lot of people I know that. that. Yeah, that's true. No, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't I, it's it's hard for me to like really contextualize it because I know I, I know Griffin, you played a little bit of it. Um but yes. I know Justin Griffin uh, Justin and Plant haven't. Um I I think at this point it's probably I think I played the first one. Sorry, <laughs> I think I played the first one. I I remember it. Yeah, I mean, I, this, I think this there was a lot that kind of came out in that sonnet, like Salt and Sanctuary and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of came out at that same same moment. Yeah, I think the second one is probably in my top ten Metroidvanias of all time list. Wow, I I, uh, I bounced I off play of a lot it. of these. I, I bounce off of it a bit. This game's hard as fuck, and I feel like the progression hooks are not like 
immediately kind of understandable. Like the, you don't. Uh, it, I I I've played this game quite a bit, and I've made some progress, and I do not feel like I am any stronger or more like um, able to tackle this world. But then again, like it's not like there is a you go to the campfire and spend your souls to level up system. Right. It's like you have to go find this painter and or this sculptor and give him this uh, statue piece that you found by uh, sacrificing blood drops to this <laughs> crying god woman. Like it's it's so abstract and weird. And I'm sure if I stuck with it, it would um, it would it would click into place. But it just it 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 has not done that, which is the same issue I had with the original Blasphemous. So like this is actually one that I'm looking forward to returning to when I can you know get a a, a helpful game fact open on my lap uh, to to help figure that stuff out. Yeah, I was able to play it and beat it. This was pre-launch, so I didn't have anything to look for. But it also required like a ton of patience to be like. I know that there will be a place to spend this currency based on the item description. So I'm just going to like keep exploring this map. And then when I found it, I was like, oh, clearly now I can, you know, here's a bunch more healing um, uh, charges for my heal thing or, yeah, you know. So, uh, you know, you can play it certainly with a guide if it, it'll make your experience a lot easier. But I have really, really enjoyed just like, slowly but surely uncovering this game because there were so many nooks and crannies that are just like fucking buck wild awesome next game yeah you want those games right so here you go now let's see you clear them that that is the name of the game you want to say that's the name of the game yeah you want those games right so here you go now let's see (laughs) it is a game made by uh, a developer called monkey craft that did uh katamari damacy re-roll and we love katamari damacy re-roll all right and clona fantasy reverie series um it's it's not a, a a massive developer i don't think it's published by d3 this is on windows and nintendo switch if you have ever <laughs> like me been served uh mobile game ads where what you see is a uh, i'll give you an example where you see the like treasure on one side and then there's pins that are holding the treasure up and you gotta m- remove the pins so your adventurer can get to the um the treasure right it's like a puzzle and then when you download the game it's a terrible time-based like strategy game idol thing yeah. it has nothing to do with the actual image that you've seen um or, or uh the the one where you're like piling up cash to climb over obstacles or whatever uh, if you see these ads and then you get a fake game, it's like a fake advertisement for a real game that is actually much more boring than you see. This is a game that is based on those mobile games. It's basically a parody almost where they have made full versions of uh, like pin pull where you pull the pins to let the lava fall out and let, let your character get to the treasure or uh, number tower which is pretty cool. You start out with a number attached to your hero, and then there's different rooms in this castle, and each enemy in the room has a number. And once you kill the enemy, you claim their points, but you can only beat the other enemies who have more points then. And there's like modifiers within the room. So you have to figure out the, like the right 
arithmetic sequence to get through the um, the stage. All the levels are micro-sized. They're timed. You get like three stars if you do it like really quickly. Um, they start out so incredibly easy that you can't uh, really, really fathom it. Um, the, the It's really a fun idea and it's it's kind of hilarious to me. I will say the biggest bummer about this is that it is not on mobile, which yeah. like these are mobile game ads that they are parodying and it seems really weird to not have this on mobile. It feels They probably weird. knew that they wouldn't make money on mobile with this. Right. Yeah, it just doesn't feel as like engrossing as I would like a like desktop PC yeah, experience sure. to be. Like obviously, I'm sure you can play on Switch or on Steam Deck if you like, but even that is like yeah, maybe a bit more highfalutin than this sort of like primal. I feel uh, like gaming experience. Requires. I feel like Netflix needs to publish this on mobile because at first it's like, oh, Apple Arcade, but I, I'm sure Apple doesn't want to be associated with garbage mobile games, even if this is a good version of it. It's a yeah. fun parody of 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 garbage mobile games, which yeah. I think is is pretty hilarious. Um, I think it would also, if Apple had it, it would it would also like. Uh, be a sort of tacit endorsement of the fact that most mobile game ads yeah, are, are terrible, are yeah. terrible, and uh, it's all their fault. Uh, but it's it's called Yeah, you want those games right, so here you go. Now let's see you clear them. Uh, it is uh, a lot of people just refer to it as those games. Do you still want is, those games? Um, I have them now. No, um, no, no. But I mean, like now, when you see those ads, you're like, No, nah, I know what they're doing. Or do you? Yeah, I I don't need those games anymore. I have these. Yeah, games. no, that's true. Um, and there are like, uh, uh, there's a gotcha machine, you earn coins for beating levels, and then the gotcha machine will unlock nameplates, so you can change your character's name <laughs> to, you know, illustrious rookie or whatever uh, you want to generate it to, but it's uh, it's it's cute, it's it's worth checking out. Um, I wish it was on mobile, but other than that, it's neat. It's a good time to plug besties.fan, our newsletter, where you can find links to the games we discuss, rather than trying to Google the name of that game. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Um, tell you what, why don't we take a break, a brief pause, and then come back and talk about, yes, you guessed it, video games. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com, promo code BESTIES. 
terms and conditions apply. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties. So I, uh, I've been really, I was really interested to hear about Stray Gods, um, which is a musical, uh, I would say musical visual novel is probably the closest that I would say, like that, 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 that you're getting with this experience. I think it builds itself as a musical RPG, but, um, I I tend to think of something that has this level of interaction as a visual novel. I heard about it from Montaigne, who wrote the theme song for My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and has a, has contributed songs to the to the uh, the soundtrack of the game. Um, and it's got a lot of like big uh, names in the in the main roles. You got your Troy Baker, that's legal legally mandated Troy yeah. Baker. <laughs> Uh, got uh, the music is directed by Austin Wintry of of Journey and Flow fame, um, and it's sort of inspired. They mention uh, it, the the episode of Buffy once more with feeling, where characters like start singing, yeah, uh, sort of against their will. The basic pr- plot is that you are a young woman named Grace who is, has dropped out of school and is kind of like muddling through life, and then is accused of murdering a god or this game calls them idols um and uh she is innocent of this crime obviously but when the god calliope shows up her godly powers pass on to grace and uh the powers of like music and and being amused what have you the other gods that are still around in this modern era it's all like in in the current time period and and uh they are going to put her to death but instead give her a chance to uh, proof for innocence. So the way you do that is going around this town and having all these different like interactions with characters and trying to uncover the story. But the conversations are frequently thrust into like a musical mode, like it, where the characters are are singing rather than uh, speaking with each other. You know, like any book musical. It's it's really interesting. It's pretty slow paced, I would say. Um, it, not a ton of like interaction. Is there interactivity say. in the songs themselves? 
Yeah. So as you're um, there's like and you're sort of choosing like who you're going to align with and making your sort of like more intense narrative choices like during a song. Yeah. And that will actually shift like the lyrics of the song or what the song is or who you're going to go with or whatever. And those are timed. Um, the, those are time decisions because they're in a musical. Um, as somebody who like uh, I'm a big fan of musical theater. I got my degree in acting directing. Like I, I, I this is something I think about a lot and and have thought about a lot. Um, it's really cool. And some of the songs like musically are are uh, pretty catchy. I would say um, the problem that they have, and this is like, I feel like I'm narrow casting at this point because it's such a specific thing. But um, when you do a, a song in musical theater, like in the, in the traditional, like American book musical, the idea is typically that the, the a character resorts to song when the emotions they have cannot be adequately um, like put out through spoken dialogue. Sure. You know what I mean? Like the emotions have welled up so much to a point where, only a song makes sense. And this game is using musicals and songs for a lot of exposition, mm. which is mm. a which is weird because when you see that happen in musical theater, what you're almost always getting is an I want song that is uh, which is a, a term of art was like the the main character establishes their passion, sure. right? The thing that they want more than anything else that this musical is either going to give them or not give them, but we're setting the tone. And if we're doing a lot of story dump and exposition, it's usually in the context of like, this is what my world's about. Part of your world is like the iconic, I think I want song, right? You yeah. know exactly what Ariel wants. The main character of this is not driven by, she's driven by ennui. And I think that, like, especially early on, she's driven by ennui, and then she's driven by trying to save herself from being executed by gods, right? Neither of which are make particularly great fodder for, for musicals. Um, and so that tends to make a lot of the songs feel kind of, like, weirdly mechanical. It's why some sh movies they developed into musicals just don't function as well. Like, High Fidelity is a really good example. They did a musical of High Fidelity, but, like, what does that character want? Um, I don't know, and neither does he. So it's, like, a really weird choice for a musical. Yeah. Um, that that is that that so that is what I was I was struggling with uh, while, while playing this. I feel like I've bloviated about something that only I care about. But anyway. oh no, I I would be shocked if that were true. While you're talking, that actually reminded me of the Artful Escape, which was a game that came out a couple years ago. It's a side-scrolling like narrative platformer, and you know a kid is basically like abducted and sent into space. But at its core, it's about him wanting to be like a rock star and his yes. family not really jibing with that because I think they're more like uh, folk music people. Yes. And so you're right. Like his impetus is not survival. It's more, I want my passion to come forward. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that, no, right. it's interesting. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm definitely intrigued by this. Um, but if you want to go in a different direction, Artful Escape is kind of trying to do something else in a different format, but uh, also Artful really Escape neat. is so pleasant. Um, it's also got a, that's, I, I was wrong. Michael Johnston is the lead character, but that game's got like Jason Schwartzman and Carl Weathers. It, it, yeah. it rules. Really that's good a game. really, it's a really good, uh, really good All game. right, let's talk about some real shit. None of, no, no more of this uh, uh, biting parody or <laughs> musical graphic novels. 
Right, gang? I want to talk <laughs> no, about it's fucking good. No, guns I didn't mean that. Like, it's a good, I think people should check out Stray Gods. It's I like, think so, too. I think so, too. It's really interesting. I, I, was, it's I very, was genuinely interested in Justin's... Uh, I was, too. This, I'm sorry, character I'm, this is a fucking character I'm playing, because the game I'm about to talk about could not be more further removed from What's Stray this Gods. character? What's the character's name? His name is fucking Nasty Mike. Okay. Go ahead, and Nasty he likes, Mike. He likes sorry, Doom. what? Nasty Mike likes Doomsday Hunters. Okay. Doomsday Hunters. It's a it's a it's a new roguelike uh twin stick shooter. This can't be real. I'm looking at the images. <laughs> this can't This be game real. looks absolute Justin, describe to me what it is that you are seeing. Uh this is like mid nineties binder aesthetics. Yes. Um like yeah. you, this looks like a line of toys where the ads are like, they barf, they fight. Yeah, they're like they mad fart. balls. <laughs> yes, they look yes, like mad very, balls. It's very mad balls. Very strong mad balls vibes on this <laughs> one. I will say, if you are looking at still images, I don't think it does it uh, much much surface. I think once you see these bad boys moving, I think this game absolutely looks remarkable. Uh, I've been playing it on Switch. It is on... Not good like regular games. Oh, come on. No, no, no. It looks really <laughs> fucking good. Um, no, but you know how like... Real games. This have is a like, fun character that you like to play sometimes, <laughs> where you act like just because a game doesn't have three-dimensional <laughs> sort of figures in them. That I is just a bad think vibe. it's wild that we all decided that retro stopped at a certain point, and we're this is just all, always going to be the retro aesthetic. Give me like PlayStation One People polygons, barely. There's People been PlayStation that. One um, aesthetic games. That's my nostalgia. Neon That's white. millennials. Right. Anyway. Uh, I don't even remember games like this. <laughs> it is a twin stick roguelike action game uh, in the vein of, uh, honestly, it reminds me the most of Hades, which I recognize as like a pretty lofty comparison. Um, but in terms of like game feel and the amount of like variety and just sheer content that is available here, it is, I think, uh, applicable. Uh, you play as a doomsday hunter. You play as one of these weird-looking mutant characters. One of them is just a man with a hand for a head and an eyeball right in the middle of that hand, and he's all about sort of melee attacks. Uh, there's, I, I, like, vampires in, in the mix as well. There's, like... Uh, no way! It is a it is a wild uh, vibe that this game is putting down, and I would encourage you to look at at a a trailer for it. I, the trailer the trailer is awesome. It almost has like a isometric. Yes, vibe. yeah, it's like yeah, braid. that's another or another not sort of, uh, It's like Bastion. Yes, Bastion yeah. is another sort of good aesthetic kind of uh, comparison. Uh, you are as as a Doomsday Hunter, you are just trying to clear out. Uh, each level that is made up of these little islands that you hop around, each island will have like some enemies on it or a puzzle to solve or a little building you go in. Uh, there is, in terms of like what goes into a build, it is mind boggling. There are like primary weapons you pick up. There are sidearms. There are like spells that you uh, can find and then cast. There are special weapons. There are relics that will sort of give you these, these boosts. All of these things are like not, uh, especially mold breaking, but like it's all together in concert. It is the type of roguelike game that uh, I think I am just always going to have on my Switch because every time I pick it up, it is fun immediately. And, you know, I'm unlocking new 
new weapons and new characters and new upgrades. Every t- There's a level up system that you get just from playing the game. And as you level up, you unlock new stuff for your characters, but you also unlock new enemies and level elements like oh no now there's automated turrets that are going to show up on your islands but you're also a little bit better equipped to to face them uh there's like a currency that you can spend on permanent upgrades that go across all your characters there's just like there is a shit ton of stuff to to unlock uh i think there's like 1200 items or something like you know approaching that um that binding of isaac level um but yeah i i I don't know what to say about it, except that like I have not been this into a roguelike probably since Hades, um, and it is it is scratching very much the same itch for me, and um, I just I just think it's great. I um, I've been trying. I'm looking at these screens trying to figure out why I really really want to play this, even beyond everything you're saying, sounding great. And it's zombies ate my neighbors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. my neighbors, maybe. Sure, yeah. No, it's yeah. it's uh, that, that's a very that... old game for people at home. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We've been we really pulling deep today. Um, yeah, this <laughs> there's a listen. You sick. listen to a podcast by old men. This is yeah. what you're gonna get. That's how it happens. There's also a scan line filter over the entire thing, yeah. which I think sort of uh, colors the the impression that you have. Um, so that's Doomsday Hunters, and now I'm gonna put um, Nasty Mike away. Bye, my Nasty um, Mike. He's in the drawer now, because um, I can all I can I talk about Fay Farm? Oh, sure, diff- a different game. Uh, this one's not out yet. It's not out until I think September six, but the preview embargo is up, so I can kind of talk about it. Um, you can only talk about three vegetables. So turnip. Yep. Oh God. Um, <laughs> potato. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, uh, this is from uh phoenix labs which is the studio that made dauntless did any of you guys play that oh the monster hunter game yeah so basically phoenix labs took a look at monster hunter and was like we'll make one of those and they did and it was really good Mm. uh and it it focused i would say a lot more on the like uh progressive uh like online multiplayer element of it uh, it was free to play, and it had like a like a season pass that you were sort of leveling up through as you battled monsters. So is it was like still going. Is Dauntless still a going yeah, concern? Dauntless, Dauntless is still going. Um, there, this is basically that for Stardew Valley or Harvest Moon or you know Inter Farming Sim here, uh, and and you know. A lot of those ideas, I bring up Stardew Valley just because it is the best one of those, but these ideas predated Stardew Valley. Like, you own a farm, you're going to clear it out and get, you know, fiber from all the weeds that are around that you could use to feed the animals that you get. And then there's a mine that you go through different levels of and, like, pretty pretty much straight across the plate uh, Harvest Moon level stuff. Uh, what is different about this game is that it is way less uh punishing i would say than uh than a stardew valley there's things like you know in stardew valley if you accidentally use up too much energy you're gonna you know sleep in the next day and have like half your meter empty and like all of all of this stuff that doesn't really happen here uh it is a much easier much more approachable game that is like very just dumps tutorials at you constantly so that you you know never feel exactly out of your depth i feel like juice you would honestly have an easier time clicking with this game than than stardew just because it is a lot more 
straightforward with how it handles all these different systems. You are being so, so charitable right now. Thank you, Griffin. I appreciate that. Thanks for the restraint. I appreciate it. You can just say I'm not very smart. That's I wouldn't say that at you just all. Dumb. You just talked about a game that was uh, musical books, so <laughs> obviously you've got something going on. That's in the a great point, Griffin. I don't give myself enough credit as no, the, not at part all. Of the, litera- uh, the literati. Um, it is. Uh, I I am really really enjoying it. I this preview embargo is weird because I can only talk about the first like sort of few chapters of it, but like it is. Uh, it is what I expected it to be and kind of what I wanted it to be, which is like the same way that they modernized the Monster Hunter formula with Dauntless is is pretty much exactly what they have done here. It looks great. It feels really good. Uh, the characters aren't quite as like, you know, that's a big deal with games in this genre is like, you know, you want to uh, befriend and in some cases romance the characters that are all around this town. Uh, they, the characters don't feel quite as, um, robust, I would say, as other entries in the genre. But again, I am still fairly early days with it, so that may change. Um, but from a, like, you know, customize your farm and your house and your outfit and dive into a, a, a a mine so you can upgrade your tools. Like, that loop is here and it is great and it feels great and, um, I, I, I think that, I feel like I know a lot of people who are going to get very into this game when it comes out. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm excited for that to happen. But um, I, w- I will probably circle back on this one once it's fully out and I've had some more time to spend on it. I've got a pitch for y'all. Are you ready for okay. it? Yep. A Peter Molyneux game with restraint and uh, simple. Where not, they just not, make, so make not a, a Peter Molyneux game. game. So, so, so not black and white. It's so, just black or white. Uh, <laughs> it's this game is called on on guard, or on guard because there's an exclamation point, and it is a swashbuckler simulator. It's an action sword fighting game, and you play as a woman with a killer, a swashbuckling fencing skills, and it has that. I don't know. There's something about the aesthetic that is like deeply fable very silly um the tutorial is like 45 minutes long but it's not really even a tutorial it kind of just throws you into the game and you are um fighting henchmen who have been clearly hired to like sit around near ledges so that you can push them off like that type of silly um but the combat is the draw here because it's i don't i I don't even know how to really describe it. I think there's a demo on Steam, and if there is, you should check it out. If not, the game is like twenty bucks. It's on sale right now. Um, I mean, it's fencing. Right? It's fencing. Yeah, it's fencing. But you know, it fence getting fencing and making it actually feel like fencing is the tough part and the thing that I hadn't really seen in other games. And it, it's a little bit of the kind of you know. Uh, Batman combat of wait for a certain visual cues that tell you uh, a hit is coming, whether it's dodgeable or not dodgeable. But then there's just tons of environmental stuff. So you can fence somebody and kind of disorient them and then push them into a weapons rack and that'll fall on them. Or you can pick up a mug and fence while you're holding the mug and then throw the mug at somebody to uh, have it like land on their heads they can't see. Um, Watching the the video of the gameplay, it looks pretty like uh, not frenetic. That's not the word I'm looking for, but like it doesn't look like the kind of thing where you would like plan 
your your strategy reactive. feels very sort of like reactive. That's a great word. So, yeah, so sure. I thought that going off the trailer, total opposite for me. Really? Because if you if you get caught like fencing, if you get caught with like two or three people on your sides, you're just done. So yeah, you're reacting in that like you're having to improvise. You're having to uh, get around the environment and find areas that are going to like give you an advantage. But you you are kind of you're you're not just purely on the offensive. You're running away at points to try to like get again get a one on one match that is in mm. your favor, or like oh I have like four people. There's no way I'm going to get a one on one. But there's a big stack of barrels at the top of the staircase. I'll get them to chase me up the stairs and then I'll knock the barrels down on them. Plant. Let me ask you something. A lot of games that have done sword fighting, uh, the like they struggle or they spend a lot of uh, like time and energy with like the specifics of countering like hits in a specific direction. You know what I mean? The attacks coming from overhead. So you block overhead or whatever. How much of like, uh, how much of the combat is like that predicting, uh, and looking for openings and stuff. Cause it looks a, a, a little bit bigger than that. It looks a, bit, a little bit more zoomed out, uh, mechanics wise. Yeah. It, it's not the like left, right parry, uh, all the different directions. It is more of a, Okay, there are hits that are going that you can parry. Um, there are hits that you can't. So it and then they build on that by like, okay, well, you might get a combo thrown at you that's like a can't parry it, so dodge, can't parry it, so dodge, can parry it, hit it, can parry it again, hit it, and that will be the thing that disorients them. So you're kind of learning these patterns. Um, because of the the real goal is to like disorient the enemy so that you can then use the environment or get a few jabs in. Because if you just kind of like come swinging at them, they're going to block you just as much. It sounds and like Sekiro is what it sounds like. Yeah, it does. Uh, Which is great. I mean, maybe like uh, Baby's first Sekiro because yeah, I maybe. enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, well, in the environment stuff is definitely its own thing. The game's not very long. It's like maybe three or four hours but pass. it does have <laughs> Sorry, arena modes. That's, yeah, that's as much as you're ever going to play this character. Game. This, is, this episode is fucking <laughs> USA characters. characters welcome, I will yeah. say. Uh, you know what it looks like? And you said, Peter Molyneux, and it's like, this is again, we're di- digging into the annals of history. But like, the reference there for me is, this is what Molyneux said fights in Fable would be like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is what he said is like you'd be in a bar and there'd be like a mug and you can press a button to it was all contextual, right? You press a button and you kick a mug at the guy and then you jump off the chandelier. A fable was never, ever, ever like that in a million years. <laughs> but this is also the man that, that made people sign a legal document on a wall to say that a rail shooter he made was not, in fact, a rail shooter. <laughs> that sounds cool, though. I'm yeah, I, I I think I think folks will like it. It's definitely worth a try. Again, it it's kind of the perfect length. It's a great um, portable game. I know it's on Steam. Works perfectly fine on Steam Deck. I think it's on Switch and other consoles too. Cool. cool. Um, that a was a lot of games. games. Uh, we have yeah. a few reader mail questions. These come directly from the newsletter. Um, I know you're thinking, how could... Is that the newsletter at Besties.Fan? It's the newsletter at Besties.Fan. And you're thinking, how could a newsletter have questions in it, but the newsletter actually has a comments thread, and we pull questions from the comments thread. So if that is a reason to get engaged with that comments thread so your questions can be asked, boom, there you go. Uh, this first question comes from Patrick C., and it's for Justin and Griffin. 
Mm. Do you expect Baldur's Gate 3 to influence how you play Taz? New to you mechanics you've discovered to change how you play a player character, new classes you'd like to try, new tricks, story beats, encounter types to incorporate into how you DM. Does the vibe of how Larian has DM this game translate it all into Taz's setup, or is it hopelessly too much pre-production work? It's a big it's, question. I, honestly, I think it's kind of apples and oranges. I, I, I adore Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, it is tough. We're playing a lot of shit right now, a lot of which we can't uh, talk about, and it is hard because I just kind of keep wanting to go back and play more Baldur's Gate 3. Um, but at the same time, like I think what they have done to adapt the D&D rule set to a video game is miraculous. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily know that there is a lot there that would go the other way. Right, because uh, the other way is so open-ended that, like, arguably you could turn anything into anything. I, right. Sorry. I will say that it's a really good way of understanding. Uh, as somebody who does actual play podcasting, we get, you know, when there are certain people for whom adhering to the rules of a specific game is extremely important, like a fidelity to the rules is laid out in the rule book. And I think Baldur's Gate 3 is a really instructive way of saying, like, okay, this is a game that adheres very closely to the rules. There are certain rules of, D of 5e that it dispenses with, right? Like you don't need, for example, material components for spells mm -hmm. um, or casting time is they have some fun with that. There's a lot of spells that would, you know, some spells in D&D &D require hours, if not days, you know, to to cast. Um, so that that is those are rules that they have issued to to make it feel the best for for the game, um, which is very much what like makes sense in actual play. Right. It's like adapting the game to what makes sense. I will say, though, as somebody who played a wizard for uh, several years, mm -hmm. th this there's some things I didn't understand, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> about the, this is a wonderful, wonderful way of getting like a functional understanding of Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I, we said that before, but like if you wanted to get into it, like this is such a good like starting point for getting an idea of uh, what those mechanics are, especially stuff like spell memorization, spell slots, um, a lot of the fighting stuff, like a lot of things like haste and the bonus attacks um, make it, it it's so much clearer when bonus actions are like in orange, right? And you can see, oh, I have this many bonus actions and I can lay it on this way. Um, it's a wonderful learning tool, I would say. Um, but but yeah, I don't know that it'll shift things that much. Although it is a wonderful, uh, again, I, I think I have a better understanding of a lot of the classes, especially ones that I haven't personally played. Yeah. Um, this is not so much a question as a useful comment. This comes from Devin. Uh, R.E. the DM mode question. I believe last week we were uh, asked if there yes. were other games that would allow for like more of a DM control over the actual video game. Uh, R.E. the DM mode question. So last Crown <coughs> of the Magister has user-created campaigns. It's more of a budget 5E game than Baldur's Gate, and the graphics definitely show it, but it's a full 5E rule set, and the tools for creating a user campaign are powerful. They're not as flexible as the tool sets in Neverwinter Nights, to my knowledge, but lots of people have made good stuff on it. So definitely worth checking that out. Cool. One more question. Uh, this comes from David Miller. What character class skill set would you recommend beginning training my toddler in to prepare them for preschool? 
it's very useful information for me as well. So which class do you think is ideal for... For a preschooler? For, yeah, for a preschooler. Bard. Well, there can only be one bard, so that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. You think other kids are going to train... I mean, no, like Bard. No one thinks they want to play Bards, but Bards are really useful, right? Sure. If, if you're the kid in school and you're new and you want to like, the most important thing at that level, I think, is social development. Yeah. So you want to have your kid playing, make friends. Yeah. If you get have a kid who's like, yeah, he's eating his peanut butter jelly. He is the hero that we all deserve. And you're like pumping people up oh, as yeah. they're like stacking up blocks and shit. Like that's, that's going to be a very popular kid. I would teach him to be a Bard. I like that. That's good. Uh, last, we're com- all bards. You realize that, right? Like almost everybody you know in media would be a bard. <laughs> That's probably you think about that. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, a last comment from Olive Farden. Just wanted to say I was kind of neutral on the whole newsletter thing, but reading this one on a whim was a great decision. Totally rules. Keep up the good work, y'all. Thank you, Olive. It's a great newsletter. Great newsletter. Full Highly recommend. Great recipes. Uh, who do I send the recipe to to get recipes in the newsletter, guys? I get you the newsletter. The I don't know who's sending it. You just leave them in the comments. They'll be read. Um, do we what are con- you talking about? It's my newsletter yeah, for my Yeah, so you podcast. write the newsletter and then you leave. I don't know. Do whatever you want. You'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, anything honorable mention-wise to call out? Um, if there's anything that we haven't talked about on here, that would be. I mean, yes, a non-video game, maybe. There's a game oh, I haven't fuck. played yet that I want to mention. Have you all okay. heard about Robo Dunk? No. Wow, that's a good name. <laughs> NBA Jam Roguelike. It looks so good. Wow. I, I, I've not, I've not played it yet. It could, it could not be good, but I, it comes out like it should be out by the time this episode is out. And oh yeah! Wow. Hey, I, look, PS One aesthetic. There you go, Justin. Thank you. Yay, we got there. Extreme PS1. Very um, cool. I'm just playing Baldur's Gate 3, so it's, yeah, hard to... Find. I've got a TV show that is not a Struck Project, which is oh. very exciting. It's a Korean reality show, which is really between, like, Physical 100, Siren, Survive the Island. Did you ever finish that, Juice? I got, like, two episodes left. I just haven't been in a headspace. Uh, it's it's crushing this year, and this is a new one. It's on Netflix. It's called New World. And very briefly, the premise is six uh, celebrities uh, who are sort of from the, like, variety show, panel show circuit in South Korea are live on an island in houses that are customized to their exact specifications. It is a utopian society. Uh, they are given phones that have a messaging app and a banking app on it that they use to deal with the island's fictional currency, which is called Nyang. And every day there's a new game uh, through which they earn or lose that currency. Uh, and it is a show that is so steeped in arcane rules and game mechanics uh, that constantly unfold, and it is a absolute delight to watch how deeply these people get into the game. For example, at some point, someone discovers that there's a place called the Shadow Store, and the Shadow <laughs> Store has uh, like 30 items for sale that you can use at different points of the of the thing, but you don't know what it is exactly you're going to buy. So one guy buys a shield, and everybody's trying to keep their little secrets uh, they're, they're a little item secret, but then the shop owner hands him this gigantic metal shield that he has to carry around. Uh, 
one guy loses all of his money like the first day, but he finds the keys. He wins the keys to a golf cart. So now he becomes the chauffeur of the island and he offers people rides around for in exchange for the money that he could use to eat that day. Uh, and the games themselves are so hysterically funny and clever. Like one day they play this sort of like Monopoly style uh, game where they purchase properties around the island uh, that they buy and sell throughout the day to try and cut a profit. Uh, and they can spread rumors about the properties by like scattering cockroaches around one of them. Or <laughs> one person buys uh, the like grocery store where they buy all of their stuff and then just like spends an hour cleaning it up and changing the prices and working at the cash register to boost the, the profits. What's this called? It's New called World? New World. It's, it is so good. It is so, so good. I think it is a uh, mystifying sort of first episode, but there is a sort of twist to the first game that makes everything kind of click into place. So if you can stick with it that long, uh, you you will love it. And the people in it are so fucking funny. Uh, it's, it is, uh, it is, it's so good. This, this year has been absolutely insane for new, like reality competition shows. And this is, this is, uh, this hangs with my very favorites. So I would like to briefly mention uh, a, a game series called Unlock. Uh, I'm a big fan of like puzzle box type things, escape the room in a box type things. I love escape rooms in general, but like, you know, it's a lot of times you're home. And a lot of these have like these like fiddly bits of cardboard and stuff and you're turning the dial to make the thing work. And it always is a little bit weird. And, you know, if you just rip the door off its hinges, you know, the answer will be there. Whatever. Um Unlock is like a massive series. There's a bunch of them. Uh, and in each box, there are three different adventures of like varying themes. Um, and and the system that this uses is really, really cool. Basically, each game is like a uh, a deck of cards. And there is a companion app that you use to like assist in this game. And the basic core thing is you... Are it, you turn over a card and it has a few different numbers on it. And those numbers correspond to cards that are in your hand. You can't see the, all you can see is the number on the back. So like you're in um, the first room that you have to escape and there's like a 16 and you look, you so you can dig out 16 from the deck and find a TV. Um, and then the, uh, it, you might look elsewhere and find a remote that is 14, right? So you've found a remote and you found the TV. These pieces uh, can be uh, are labeled like red or blue, and basically you can combine items to make a new number. If that number is one of the cards in your deck, then you've unlocked it, and that's how you like progress. Is you're combining items in that classic, you know, escape room fac- uh, fashion, and if it's a a working combination, then you have found the next thing that helps you progress through. Um, and there are each that's like the base core thing, but everyone has like different. Uh, the app adds a lot of layers to it, so there can be areas that you have to unlock with like a four number code, and you have to input that into the app, and it tells you what card to get. Um, it's also playing music and doing your timer the whole time in the app. There's also like machines um, that you can. There there are cards that have a number on them, and you plug that into the app, and it becomes like, for example, a uh, a headlamp you can find, and if you point your phone at uh, the the specific cards that interact with this headlamp, 
it gives you like an AR view of the card mm. that is showing you that's like the so next cool. thing that you need that's to neat. do. It's it's really really neat. Each of the boxes is thirty bucks, so each of these like individual adventures is ten bucks. I wouldn't say there's like a bunch of replay value necessarily, but it was great to play with the with. Uh, Cooper is five; she's a little young. Charlie's nine; she was deeply deeply into it. Um, but if you're looking for that kind of thing, and Sid and I did one. Um, you know, you know, just the two of us. It was great. It was it was a lot of fun. But this is a it's a cool series. There's a bajillion of them. It's called Unlock. Um, um, if you're trying to find that, it's Unlock exclamation point. That might help because it took me a while to actually find it on Google. But oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, add the exclamation. Um, point. They have some themed ones too. There's a Star Wars box with three different Star Wars adventures. Um, there's a Wizard of Oz. You know, they they do some stuff like that, and then you can buy them individually for like. 12 bucks. They have some that are specifically themed towards kids, whatever, but you, they're, they're very cool. Cool. Okay. We did it. Uh, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews to the besties on Apple podcasts. We have we're, we're in team. I don't know how to pronounce that. CS more 16 and Lyle men. Thank you for writing reviews to the besties on Apple podcast plant. Recap the games we talked about. Armored Core 6, Blasphemous 2. Yeah, you want those games, right? So here you go. Now let's see you clear them. Stray Gods, <laughs> Doomsday Hunters, On Guard, Faith Farm, Robodunk, Baldur's Great, Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Three. Great is right. <laughs> it is great and Three. unlock. And you can find links to all those games in our newsletter. God, there's guy, there's it's, too many games. And, and there's so much shit we can't talk about yet. So like, it's fucking, yeah, our cup runneth over. Speaking of games... Next week, a little game called Starfield. Oh my god! Wait, really? I hope that I hope that is a is is. I hope we do two weeks, but we probably won't be able to do two weeks. There's so much. There's so much to do. It guys. is extremely I don't think busy. I'm up to it. We need a fifth bestie. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Ron is just waiting in the corner, like I'm yeah. always here. Ron is the fifth bestie, right? At this point, he is definitely or the Chris Granitron three thousand. That was a cybernetic AI, well ahead of its time. So many throwbacks today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Bestie.fan, right now. Don't even think about it. Just go do it. Thanks. Um, we'll be back with you again next week with Starfield. Until then, for all of us here, thank you for joining us for the Besties. And be sure to join us again next week for the Besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.